This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back night. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot to Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to reset this soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 8.30 Central Time, the time zone that only appears when Felix is away. That means it's time for Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusDuCanton.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's not Felix Sharp. I'm Austin Nace. On a Felixless version of tonight's show, say that five times fast, should there be limits on the one-time transfer waiver? Some spring games we liked last weekend, and we don't make Matt talk with an accent tonight. But first, Matt, with just a little bit of housekeeping, tell us about the giveaway we have going on. So we are still in the process of getting ready to give away a signed Javante Williams jersey. We are hoping to get up to, I'm just going to throw a number out there. We did not discuss this, 60 reviews. So we are 11 away. We're getting, oh, well, we never said, we said we don't want to discuss the downloads we get. We're getting a lot more than 60 downloads, so let's just say if you guys are downloading this, if you're listening on Apple, jump in there, review. You get a shot to win a Javante Williams jersey, and even if you don't win this one, you'll still be entered in the next one, but uh, 11 more reviews, and then we will do it live on air like we do with the Kyler Murray jersey uh, to give away to a lucky winner. Perfect. All right, and so Colin is here with us again tonight, his second time here on the show. I believe our first uh, repeat visitor, so he's got that distinction for for forever and always. So congratulations, Colin. Uh, You can find Colin at C2C Decker on Twitter. You can find all of his content over at CampusDeCanton.com. And, of course, the better half of the Campus Decanton podcast. So, Colin, thanks (laughs) for joining us here tonight. Thanks for having me on. Uh, honored to be the first repeat guest. Uh, I'm also happy that you finally admitted that I'm the better, better half of the campus, the camp pod as well. It's, I mean, it's, it's been pretty known. I'm just glad to hear like you finally, you're through the stages there. That you've kind of come to acceptance. I can no longer deny it. The people have spoken. And, you know, it just, it was no use uh, talking about it anymore. Um, so let's hop right into some things here tonight, guys. We're going to start off with a little bit of transfer news. Uh, two big topics here within this one to cover. The first one, uh, Mike Woods. Uh, is Arkansas just finished their entire spring game, you know, practice game, all of it here. And right after that is all done, Mike Woods says he is out. He is stepping into the portal, figured to be a big part of their offense this year. Uh, was their second leading receiver last year with 32 catches, 619 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, so the question isn't really where is Mike Woods going. I'm not sure for for purely Debbie purposes we really care. 
The bigger question here is what do we think of players using that one-time waiver rule to transfer after spring practice is over, guys? And we'll kick this one to Colin first. Um, I mean, I don't see a huge problem with it. Uh, I think at that point, you know, in spring, you're kind of, you know, after the spring game, you kind of have a feeling for where you are on the depth chart. And if you're not where you want to be on the depth chart, you know, if you have that one-time waiver, you know, the, the NCAA granted it, use it. You know, it's it's not these players' fault that, um, you know, they were given this extra opportunity here. You know, they may as well take advantage of it. You know, if this starts becoming a trend, you know, beyond the weird COVID year, then it may be a little bit more concerning. I, I think it is going to become a trend. And and I think we're, we're likely going to see more players in the next couple of weeks. I believe the deadline is May 1st. You have to be in by May 1st if you want to be eligible for this fall season. Uh, and I know it's extended out if you're not coming in to fall. I, I don't remember what the date was. I was trying to find that out earlier, but... I think it's going to be used more often. I mean, I, I'm very much – I'll take Felix's side of the argument since he's not here and be all pro player. You know, these coaches can leave whenever they want after one year. They don't have a one-time free-only transfer rule. If, you know, Mike – who's a new head coach somewhere? Trying to, um, who, who just switched somewhere? Help me out here. Uh, Steve Hypo. Sarkeesian. There we Steve go. Sarkeesian. I was gonna I was going hypo, but I couldn't remember his name. Steve Sarke- <laughs> Sar- 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 Sarkeesian goes to Texas <laughs> and then say – Nick Saban decides, hey, I'm retiring this after this season, and Alabama comes a call, and Steve Sarkeesian can leave and go right back to Alabama. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have anyone. He can leave whenever he wants. All they have to do is pay him all of his money. I, I think that eventually we're literally going to get to a point where they're going to find some way for these athletes to transfer more than once. But I, Woods is is obviously an upperclassman. Freshman, I don't think a lot of freshmen will be transferring if they don't, you know, win out a spot or whatever. Maybe if you've got like two highly rated freshman quarterbacks in one room and one guy gets beat out and he doesn't want to be backup, so he moves. But I don't I think this is going to be more of those upperclassmen who are trying to get that playing time. Maybe they haven't got. Uh, but I would expect we're gonna see more players within the next couple days enter the transfer portal. I think this is going to become a regular occurrence. We've already seen it has gone crazy before we even knew this rule was going to go into effect, right? Ever since the transfer portal really started becoming a bigger thing, we've seen all these players going in and out, and I think it's just going to become bigger. I, um, <clears throat> I, I'm actually a little surprised that both of you just immediately went yes right away uh, without a second thought. You know, or, you know, you don't think there should be any limits because I, I think there has to be something. It, you know, I I think there should be a limit uh, within reason, as in, you know, if if you do not have a new head coach and you do not have a new position group coach, you must declare by the end of your spring or else you, you don't get the waiver for a year. Because once you make it to this point in the offseason, you know, you just spent a month, go more than a month for some of these teams, depending on how they spread this stuff out, setting up the offense and defense for next year. You know, Mike Woods is going to be an integral part of that offense and just drops a bombshell on them that he's leaving. And now they have to figure out who their second receiver is across from uh, from Burks without really that much, you know, as much preparation as they would like. I understand, you know, if a coach leaves or something like that, that uh, it's more than fair for guys to leave in those instances. I It just feels kind of grimy to me to, to do that to your teammates and to, and to guys, you know. And it's not like, I mean, he was going to contribute there. It's not like he got beat up for a spot and was going to leave. So I... I'm not sure what the solution is. I just don't think I necessarily love how he just did this. Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from there. Um, the, doing it late in the process after the spring game, you know, it's it, it, it is hurting the players, you know, your teammates a little bit there too. You're kind of letting them down. But at the same time, you know, these guys have to do what's best for them. They're trying to make it in the league. And if for whatever reason he didn't think Arkansas was going to be the best opportunity for that, you know, he transfers in, he, you know, it doesn't go the way he thought it was going to. Now he transfers back out. Uh, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the worst thing. I, I agree with you. I think it could snowball into a bigger issue. Uh, but with right now with the, you know, the COVID waiver and everything like that, I, I think that it's okay this year, but they should get something in place where it's a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more of a, a, a thought out process here it just seems like it was a little bit uh rushed as far as like the spring waiver goes but you know with, with that in mind i don't have a problem with it for this spring yeah i just uh, kind of want to echo what colin was saying there i i, 
I don't know if Mike Woods has an, a future in the NFL, but I, I'm sure he believes that he does. And I get what you're saying. And I do think I agree with both of you. It's going to snowball. I think it's going to get to a point where at one point it's going to get really bad. And I think that's when it's going to shift back the other way. But until it gets to that point, I, I think there's going to be a lot of players transferring. I, I was thinking about this earlier. Um, I believe it was on the cover three podcast and Colin, I know you listened to it. So you might be able to help me with this. I want to say it was like Danny Cannell brought this up, and I actually think it would be really smart if they handled the transfer rules the way they do recruiting, where they put in dead periods of like, hey, you have this amount of time to enter the transfer portal, and then nobody can move from this, and they open it back up again for a certain amount of time. Maybe it doesn't have to be where it is now, like at the end of spring practices, but I I do also think that it is a good place for the players because, yes, it, it kind of screws over Arkansas, but I would also say Woods doesn't care about that. He cares about his future, and if he feels like we all think he's going to be the wide receiver too there, but we don't know that. Maybe he was led to believe something else by the coaches, so that's why he got into the transfer portal. Or maybe there was backdoor talks by some other team where he ends up going, says, hey, we think you have a bigger, brighter future here, and so that's where he ends up going if I, like I've said before, you know, with the G Scott transferring positions and we talked about with another player, like if these guys really believe what's bet is, if this is better for them. I can't question their motives. They're not always going to make the right decision, but I, I mean, Felix has accused me of being, you know, biased toward the Ohio state university. But when it comes to the players, like I'm a hundred percent on their side. If Kyle McCord were to transfer out, I'm still, if he were to go to Penn state, I'm going to be honest with you because I'm such a big fan of McCord. I'd root for him to beat Ohio state. Like I love Ohio state, but I also don't think that you sacrifice your future for a university because they don't always have your best intentions at heart. And that's part of the, one of the things that I brought up, we're not going to talk about today, but I do think is worth a worthwhile discussion one day is, are these schools screwing over some of these athletes? And if Mike Woods felt like he might've gotten screwed over there, I don't blame him for transferring out even as late into the process as he is. Can we just clip that though, where Matt would root for Penn state to beat Ohio state? I can, I can, only, I on, ring only, only if Kyle McCord goes there, only if Kyle <laughs> no. McCord goes there. We'll, we'll, we'll talk after the show, Colin. <clears throat> so the other transfer news here tonight, Eric Gilbert. Rumors are getting stronger. I think these have been circulating for a few weeks now. It, Gilbert left LSU early in the spring here, uh, decided to go to Florida, backed out of that, and now it's really sounding like he's going to be back at LSU. Um, there are some hurdles for him to potentially clear. We're not going to uh, speculate too much on that here tonight because we don't have any hard info. But do we like this as a, a re-landing spot for Mr. Gilbert? Yeah, I mean, we loved it for him when he was there originally. I think he he falls right in. Uh, it can now become like the the Kyle Pitts for for LSU there with it with his skill set. You know, I think it, it really helps out Boutte as well. And and you know, we don't know who's going to win the job. I think it's going to end up being Brennan. We'll talk LSU spring game later. Whether it's him or Max Johnson there, I think both of them will be able to distribute the ball there. And I think having Boutte on the other side, you know, Austin, we've kind of talked behind the scenes a lot at Camps to Canton how big you and me are on Deion Smith, the freshman. Like, they've got a lot of weapons, and putting a guy like Gilbert into that offense just makes it even better. Obviously, the big thing is we've heard rumors. And, again, you guys, if you're not following the site in our Discord, we have people who are connect not. I shouldn't say connected, but <laughs> live around so many different universities. And like they were giving us information about Gilbert before anybody was even posting it on Twitter. Like you've got to get in our discord, but there was someone that brought up in there. There may be some stuff swirling around Gilbert and maybe eligibility might be a question. So if he's eligible, obviously I think it's going to be great for him and, and for LSU overall. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we, like I said, we, like Matt said, we liked this originally. Why would we not like it now? The only thing that's really changed is a little bit of our perception of Gilbert, um, just in that he's not as flawless as we thought he was beforehand. You know, now we're kind of seeing there's got to be some sort of underlying reason for the flip flopping here. And I'm not I'm not here to speculate as to why. Uh, I don't know that, you know, the schools know that Eric Gilbert knows that, uh, you know, so I'm not going to speculate as to why we, we all have, you know, our, our thoughts on it. But you know, he's ending up back at LSU here and provided he's, you know, able to play right away. Um, you know, I don't, and provided that his team doesn't, you know, feel any sort of hard way about him leaving and then coming back. You know, I think that this is, this is going to be great for him. He fills an immediate need for him. Uh, you know, they have Boutte, 
you know, and they also have Koi Moore, who's also a little bit smaller, but they needed a bigger bodied guy, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I think Eric Gilbert can give them that. You know, they had some freshmen coming in that could have kind of filled that role, but Eric Gilbert's at least already a little bit established. Um, and, you know, he has a little bit of a rapport already with, with some of those quarterbacks. So he's not starting over from scratch here. Um, so, you know, I, I do like this for Eric Gilbert. So uh, speaking of some spring games and, and speaking of LSU here, <clears throat> we had a pretty full slate of spring games this past weekend. We called the Alabama game, uh, the Debbie Debate Crew here. Um, if you haven't checked that out, uh, you know, that it was a, a fun exercise for us. Uh, Colin, I'm going to toss this to you first. Was there a game that stood out to you this past weekend? Yeah, there was um, one game that I haven't really seen too many other people talk about here, and it was something that I was really keeping an eye on, and that was Mississippi State's spring game. And the reason I was keeping an eye on that is pretty much solely their coach. Um, for fantasy purposes, you know, Mike Leach, Mike Leach has been a, a head coach for, for two decades now. And his year one versus year two numbers are just so starkly different. Um, his year two is just so incredibly better than year one, every single place that he's been. Um, in year one in Texas Tech, they went three and five. They scored less than 24 points in all five losses. They only averaged 25.4 points per game. Then year two at Texas Tech, they averaged 33.5 points per game. Um, so that's like a full eight-point jump. They also had five games over 40 points, including a 58 and a 63-point game. Uh, then you look at Washington State, 2012. Year one, they were one and eight. They averaged 20.4 points per game. They had four games with seven or less points. Year two at Washington State, they go four and five. They average 31 points per game. So it's an 11, almost 11-point-per-game jump. They have three games under 20 points, but then they also have four games over 40 points. Um, you know, Mississippi State this past year, there wasn't any non-conference schedule, so they didn't really get to beat up on any cupcakes. You know, they kind of right into the SEC there, and I don't think anybody really expected Mike Leach to necessarily translate year one in such a weird year um, at Mississippi State. You know, they had less than 25 points Per, in every single game except game one, the LSU game. Um, they average 18.3 points per game on the year, and Kentucky shut them out, which is the only time that Mike Leach has ever been shut out in his 20 years. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens in year two here, um, especially from the quarterback standpoint, which was the most interesting, you know, point here for me in this game. That was what I was keeping my eye on the most because um, Mike Leach has the top four seven of the top 10 and 10 of the top 15 all-time pass attempts leaders. So, you know, whoever's that quarterback is going to be chucking the ball a lot. And we kind of thought it was going to be Will Rogers. Um, no, you thought that. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Will Rogers. He was the starter for, to, at the end of the year last year. He performed pretty admirably last year. He was also lightly recruited, but Washington State with Mike Leach was one of the teams that was recruiting him. Mike Leach goes to Mississippi State. Will Rogers goes there as well. So I kind of thought it was going to be Will Rogers, but Jack Abraham, the uh, grad transfer from Southern Miss, um, you know, he was a pretty lightly recruited guy himself there. He actually looked really good in the uh, spring game. Yeah, he finished 23-34 for 162 and two touchdowns. Uh, whereas Will Rogers was 25 of 41 for 255, one TD and one pick. Um, now they were running with the first team offense, Rogers, Abraham with the second team offense there. So Abraham, by all accounts, has looked really good. It's looking like he's got a legitimate shot to win this job. Um, you know, and we obviously want the quarterback at Mississippi State. Uh, and then obviously J uh, Jaden Wally, you know, with that injury there in the game, but sounds like it's just a sprained MCL. So it shouldn't be too big of a long-term issue. Um, but then the last note that I had that I was interested in was who was going to be the running back there for them. And it looks like uh, Dylan Johnson has really been uh, looking great all spring by all accounts here. Um, he's six foot two fifteen, So he's already got the size you want. He was a three-star athlete in last year's class. And then in the spring game, he had nine carries for 49 yards uh, and then 12 catches for 64 yards. So it looks like he's pretty involved in the passing game there as well, like, like a typical Mike Leach back. So, you know, for fantasy purposes, this was a game that I was really interested in, and it didn't disappoint. 
Yeah, I know you've been big on Will Rogers all offseason. I'd heard report, <laughs> I I read like four or five reports coming out of camp that he looked really, really bad. And I yeah. wanted to message you so bad, but I held off. Um, well, I, I appreciate so. it. Yes. Yes. Matt, do you have any thoughts on Mississippi State or? Nope. Just uh, I heard today that ESPN's FBI has him ranked as like the eighth best team in college football. So, you know, I guess that's interesting. Outside of that, no, I've got really got nothing. Uh, yeah, watch out. I, watch out, world. <laughs> I I think Mike Leach is a very interesting head coach. I just do not believe he's going to do anything in the SEC. I need to see it before I I, I can believe it. I just I don't think he's really gonna win. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. I don't um, think he needs to win. So from one high flying, you know, SEC offense potentially this year to another, uh, Matt, what spring game caught your eye? Uh, so I spent a little bit of time here watching the LSU spring game, mostly because of Kayshawn Boutte, who uh, Austin, you know, inadvertently then moved up to his wide receiver one spot after a really big spring game here. thought we weren't supposed to overvalue those things. But anyways, uh, it's, it's just a very interesting team for me. I, I think they weren't as bad as they showed on the field last year. Defense was a little beat up. Miles Brandon was in and out of games, concussion, other injuries. You know, coming a year off of the winning the national championship, they just didn't look like the same team. But I do think they can rebound this year. And there's a lot of interesting storylines to take away uh, from them as well. Obviously, the quarterback battle is massive. You know, I, I think both of both uh, Miles Brennan and Max Johnson looked okay. Uh, Johnson was 11 for 17, uh, went for seven seven for seven on uh, the purple team, and finished with 180 yards and two touchdowns. And then Brennan was 12 for 20, 116 yards and one touchdown. I will say that. That Max Johnson and and Butte really looked like they were connecting pretty well in that game. Butte went off. Everybody saw the one touchdown catch that he had, which was just amazing. Uh, Doe did look like a little bit of a push off. Eleven catches for 162 yards and a touchdown. He looks like he's going to be a stud. They had um, who is it? Uh, so is it John John Trey Kirkland? I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right there. He was playing on both teams. Um, ended up ended up the second best wide receiver on the day, two hundred yards and a pair of touchdowns as well. But the guy I was looking at, and again, I mentioned him earlier in the uh, in the episode here. Me and Austin have talked about him a little bit behind the scenes at campus to Canton. But Deion Smith was playing on both teams as well, uh, and he looked really good in that game. I'm I'm intrigued to see what he looks like. Obviously, again, we don't know what Eric Gilbert wasn't there. He didn't play in the game. We don't know. I guess he's not technically officially committed there, but what he could do for that offense, I think. That quarterback battle is going to be really interesting. I'm leaning Miles Brennan just because he has a year in that system, but I, I do think it'll be wheels up for Mac, Max Johnson moving forward. And then last but not least, I don't feel like we got any kind of clarification in the running game for them with, with Tyrion Davis, John Emery, and Trey Bradford. Uh, you know, I, I honestly think Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner are probably better than all three of them, but they are not there yet. They don't arrive until the summer. Uh, but I think you're going to get kind of, unfortunately, just a a – hodgepodge of a backfield here with those three guys and, and Price, Emery, and Bradford. Uh, I don't think either one of the freshmen see the field much, and I think I'm avoiding all three of those guys when it comes to camps to Canton leagues. Yeah, Deion Smith strikes me as the perfect Terrace Marshall replacement. I don't remember where I talked about that recently, but he's if you go watch his On high school pod. stuff, like he's really fast. He's you know a good athlete. The can win contested downfield, really good on manufactured touches. We don't know if he can actually play receiver at all, though. Like, there's, there's no technical aspects of the game on his tape at all. Um, very much like Terrace Marshall. So, you know, was, you know, I, I'm not saying Terrace is still like that, but uh, similar size, similar athlete. Uh, very, very uh, interesting guy to watch there. Um, so I chose TCU as the game that interested me. And, and first off, um, I don't believe this was televised. I think they played it live on their site, but I cannot find this game in its entirety anywhere. So if anybody has... A condensed version. I don't even care if it's highlights. Someone just send me something from this game. Um, but just reading all the stuff about it, TCU has two guys that I think are really, really interesting and high. It should be high-end Debbie assets. I think the first one uh, is um, uh, Quentin Johnston, 6'4", 193 wide receiver, second-year guy on the roster, led the team last year in receiving 22 catches, 487 yards, so whopping 22.1 yards per reception couple of touchdowns there. Um, really, the you know, the only his only two downsides are that he has Max uh, Dugan throwing the ball and that I wish he weighed 
you know, 10, 15 pounds more. If he can, yeah, he can fix one of those issues. And I don't know, maybe he can hit Dugan with his car. I, I don't know how he fixes the <laughs> second one, but but he can at least fix one of those without having to harm anybody. Um, and, but I, they said that he was targeted a ton, had a bunch of catches. I think he had four to five catches, including uh, apparently like a really nice catch kind of, you know, downfield in the middle of the field. Um, so I, I'm expecting big things from him. So, uh, and as long as Dugan just throws him the ball every time, you know, that's fine with me. The other big name there is Zach Evans, the five-star running back in last year's class. I think he's kind of, you know, for a five-star guy, been forgotten a little bit with all these other top backs that produced last year. And he really didn't start playing off or playing that much uh, at the beginning of the year, really kind of picked up as the game went on. Ended the year with uh, 54 carries, 415 yards, four touchdowns, uh, so 7.7 yard uh, per carry average, and another eight uh, eight catches for 76 yards. So he was dynamic in both. He had a 75-yard touchdown on the day, uh, also had a fumble, but I like the big plays. I think he can do a lot of that this year, and my only concern with him, again, is a little bit of weight, 5'11", 195. He looks like he has the frame to bulk up. I'm just waiting for him to actually do it. But he does have that slashing kind of run style like a Cam Akers uh, does. And um, I think he's, for where he's going right now in Debbie and C2C drafts, I think it could look really foolish, uh, you know, by October. You know, we're sitting here going, wow, Zach Evans as a, you know, a third round pick was a steal. And it's kind of hard to to do that, you know, but I, I think that we could be talking about him in that that way. Cool. I knocked my uh, my co-host senseless here with that. You know, they just you know they they have no response. All right. Um, so with that in mind, guys, what spring games are we looking forward to most this weekend? Because we do have another really packed schedule, and we'll just toss it to Colin first again. Uh, yeah. So one of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most here, it, it kind of ties in a little bit with Mississippi State here, and just that you know I'm kind of looking at the offense as a whole, uh, and that's Tennessee. Um, you know, I want to see how big of a train wreck this is going to be. Uh, no, um, I'm kidding here. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm going to tune in for. Yeah, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm tuning in for to find out what pieces are going to be the starters in that offense. Obviously, uh, you know, starting quarterback. You know, Guaratano's out, Trout's out. Uh, you know, so you got Hendon Hooker transferring in for Virginia Tech uh, versus Harrison Bailey, um, who was a freshman for their, from there last time. He got some starts there at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, who's going to be the starter there? Caden Salter obviously got suspended indefinitely for his off the field incidents. Uh, so it's looking like it's just going to be Hooker versus Bailey really there as the uh, as the important one. I mean, you know, Brian Maurer is still there, too. But, you know, I think it's really the Hooker versus Bailey show. You know, who's going to be the starting running back? Um, you know, Ty Chandler transferred out. Uh, Eric Gray transferred out. Um, you know, so I, I don't really know. Anybody who's going to be the starting running back there, word on the street is Jabari Smalls has been looking pretty good here in the spring, um, who was not somebody I really had on my radar before checking into some spring games here. So I'll be interested to see how he does. What wide receivers are going to be stepping up there? Um, You know, with Malachi Weidman, uh, they got Ramal Keaton. uh, They got Alfred's boy, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, So, you know, I'll be interested to see if, any of those guys can really step up because we want pieces to Josh Heupel's offense. Uh, you know, last year at UCF, uh, they were the number two total offense and the number four passing offense year before that, the number two total offense, number eight passing offense, 2019, 2018, the number five total offense. I mean, so obviously seeing a trend here, I can go on and on, but we want pieces to this offense. It's an explosive fantasy offense. And I'm going to be tuning in to see who's really stepped up here this spring. Oh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching Texas mostly because I hate them and I want to see that they actually suck. But they've got obviously a, a an incredible backfield duo in Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson. We all expect Bijan to be just an absolute stud with Steve Sarkeesian coming over there. So I'm interested to see what he looks like. You know, a big, big battle there at quarterbacks as well. I talked about the quarterback battle at LSU. You've got a battle between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. You know, we've seen some footage of Casey Thompson handing the ball off to Bijan, so a certain person, Felix, 
believes that it's just cemented in stone that Casey Thompson's now the starter because he gave one handoff to B. John Robinson. You know, and they've got real three really good. Well, I shouldn't say they're really good, but three interesting wide receivers in Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith, and Joshua Moore. You know, there's been a lot of hype about Whittington right now from from UT beat writers and everything. What he's doing in that Steve Sarkeesian offense, he's the highest ranked wide receiver for us at the site for for Texas. He's very intriguing, but he, he's a kind of guy I need to see it from first before I believe that he's really going to be. But I think he has all the tools to be really good. So it's in a very intriguing offense. You know, I, I was going back and looking at this. And, and again, I'm almost positive I heard this on um, – on, on the Cover 3 podcast. I'm giving them a lot of free pub. They should probably sponsor <laughs> us. Uh, they had the past four recruiting classes have been in the top 10 and two of those in the top five. So they have a lot of really good talent. Their lowest one was 16, which was last year, but that was due – or this year, I'm sorry, but that's due a lot to the coaching change and then bringing Sarkeesian in and losing uh, Tom Herman. They've got a lot of talent. That team looks like they're primed to win this year or next year. So bringing in a guy like Sarkeesian, who who's, has all this offensive hype around him with what he did at Alabama and the weapons they have there uh, is making this team, to me, a very interesting team in the Big 12. And I, I want to see what they're doing, especially with that quarterback and uh, wide receiver room. We have this scheduled later as a Debbie debate, but let's just jump into this now while we're here instead of having to just refire this topic back up. Felix is not here, so we can speak freely. This is a safe space for all of us here this evening. <laughs> How do we feel about this quarterback battle? Are, is it starting to look like Casey Thompson? Like, are we, are we starting to come to that sad realization that Felix may have been right? Um, uh, well, first, before I trash Felix, I want to say <laughs> that we need to uh, respect his boy Troy O'Meary here, too, uh, as far as why yeah, I did forget it. Thank you. Um, I did forget about Troy. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, on to disagreeing with Felix here. Um, I haven't really seen anything either way that's leaning, you know, Card versus Thompson. Uh, it's been fairly even splits from everything that I've seen so far. And, you know, I've gushed about my love for Hudson Card a, a lot here. So I'll, I'll save it a little bit here. I'll save you guys um, some of the time. But I, I think Hudson Card is a more talented quarterback. I think that um, Sark transfer or uh, Sark went to Texas looking for a quarterback. And I think that the quarterback that he wanted was card. I think, I don't think Casey Thompson is a reason to go to Texas. I don't think that gives you, makes you all warm and fuzzy about, you know, your job security and your future, uh, there. If, if Casey Thompson's your quarterback now, if he does go with card, you know, now you got at least two years of card there. You can get a little bit of stability at the position, Casey Thompson could theoretically stick around for two more years, but I mean, I would, I don't think he would, if he has a good year, if he ends up being the starter and if he is a good, has a good year, he would be gone. I was going to make a very poor joke about Sarkeesian and his past habits and why that might have led him to <laughs> Casey Thompson, but I'll, I'll just avoid all, all of that. I'll let the innuendo kind of let you guys uh, think of that. I, I'm just going to use it this reference because I've talked about it with with Kyle McCord and CJ Stroud. I'm just not taking what's happened in spring practices and in spring games as that's what's going to happen. You have an entire summer and the beginning of fall camp before you get into those first games before you really find out who the starters. That's great that Casey Thompson has been running with the starters here and there, and he's been handing the ball off to Bijan. I could hand the ball off to Bijan and make him look good. I don't think there's anything to that. I'm with Colin. I've been with Colin the entire time. To me, Hudson Card's just the more talented quarterback. And while I, I'm not saying that Casey Thompson may not be more ready to start than Hudson Card is right now, he might be. He, you know, he's. I, I don't want to say Casey Thompson's not a talented quarterback. He is. The biggest thing that I brought up, again, living here in Texas and knowing how big a deal UT is, they did not bring Steve Sarkeesian in here to, quote-unquote, build toward a winning season. They want him to win now. It's not next year. It's not in two years. And they want him to win now. And I do think that with that comes some pressure to play a guy like Hudson Card, who is the only guy they're talking about down here. I don't hear a lot of people talking about how great Casey Thompson is. It's when's Hudson Card going to be the starter? Is he going to be the guy? And I do think whether it's fair or not, some of that pressure is going to be put on Steve Sarkeesian for him to be the guy. And again, I just think he's the overall better player. This weekend will be very telling whoever, you know, it's going to be infuriating because they're going to split it 50-50 too. I just know <laughs> it. Um, 
But somebody has to be out there first, unless they put them both out there, you know, just to mess with us. Um, Hudson Card was like, a wide receiver in high school. Yeah, exactly. If if this Card one. if Card gets that first snap, I'm texting Felix immediately. So <laughs> I have to like fil- film a video ahead of time that I can just send to him an instant instant reaction. I mean, um, if Thompson gets the first snap, I think that vi- text should come my way then with with how high I've been on Card. I'm throwing a, my phone off a bridge. Oh, trust me. If if Thompson <laughs> gets the first, if Thompson gets the first carry, if only you were in our Debbie debate text chain, because <laughs> Felix was sending us like look like grainy footage, like every time Casey Thompson did something at a Texas press, I'm like, oh, who's who is that? Who who's that? I'm like, get, get out of here, man. Get out of here. It's some April. Footage, it's April 10th. Get out of here. Some, some of the footage was literally so grainy that I couldn't tell. I thought he was legitimately asking who that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like I, I don't know. I'm trying to look i can't tell who that is (laughs) um so uh we did for those that missed it uh, that uh, we did our wide receiver summit on monday with all the guys campus to canton um the first part of it our top 12 we did this time wide receivers is going to be a bonus episode on here is it live yet it is it didn't come up on Spotify for me when I was looking earlier. But No, I didn't know we were putting it up on here. I can do that today, though. I'm oh, off no, tomorrow, just, so I've got plenty of time. Um, so that, that'll be available for everybody to listen to. But then after we all discussed our top 12, we went behind um, you know, the, the paywall, and we discussed uh, the remainder. No, we're past that already. We discussed the remainder of our, uh, <laughs> our wider series. We kind of just picked some guys that maybe we're planting our flag on. Um, some guys we think are bust, just some guys that we they, we had some major differences between different people on, and we discussed. And I've already sh- I've already shifted my rankings, you know, not a ton, but there are some guys that have jumped around a bit. Um, so, and I'll I'll go first here. Just a guy that that has moved the most for me in my rankings is Tavion Robinson, the wide receiver from Virginia Tech. Uh, Chris Moxley, it's nice we have a couple data guys in the crew that kind of provide the insight there that we that I you know don't really come up with myself. Um, so him and, and Chris Moxley and Jarek Backus and, uh, Alfred, you know, dabbles in the data as well. He, he was originally a data guy, but I think we've, we've drawn him over to the dark side a little bit, uh, the, the tape side of things. Um, so th- they were giving their insight and they were just saying that a lot of his advanced metrics look really, really good, especially for, you know, age adjusted and team adjusted. Uh, so that kind of sold me. I had him down in the one hundreds, uh, but I have, I have since moved him up pretty considerably. He should be the leading receiver on that team this year. Really, the thing that's going to hold him back more than anything will be the quarterback play. We don't know what Braxton Burmeister is really going to look like. He was not particularly impressive last year. They have said that he looks a little, you know, he has a little more of a control of the offense um, this this um, this offseason. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think he's primed for a nice uh, a nice year there. And he's, I mean, he's a he's a good athlete, nice size, you know, five ten, one eighty six. Um, so I, I think that he's going to not only do well next year, but he's going to be like a, a Zay flowers type, like where he's just so under the radar, but he has these metrics that, that are, you know, two thumbs way up for him. I was to say, yeah, I, I, he's definitely a guy who's moved up a little bit for me there as well. Um, you know, anytime that we get Jarek and Chris, both data guys agreeing, cause they have a little bit of a different take on some of the data. Um, Chris looks at things a little bit differently than Jarek does, but anytime you get those guys lining up, um, it's always a, a flag for me to go to go watch somebody else again. Yeah, Matt, who uh, who moved for you? Uh, so it wasn't actually a guy that we talked about at the summit. Uh, I did move Robinson up, and I did move who Colin's going to talk about down. I was actually the highest on the player that Collins is going to talk <laughs> about. And after hearing them talk about him, I was like, I'm going to go in there and quietly adjust him very far down because I'm a little embarrassed right now. So uh, that uh, I did move those two guys, but since you guys talked about them, uh, I'll just talk – Jordan Whittington, who I just talked about. I've moved him up a little bit again, just based on stuff that I've been reading about what's going on in Texas. We didn't really get a chance to talk about him uh, on the wide receiver ranking summit, but again, I, I didn't want to just bring up the same two guys that you guys brought up. I mean, outside of that, you know, I moved a, a Mecca down a couple spots just so I could move up this dude named Marvin Harrison Jr., but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, for those that missed it, we had a nice – Matt and I had a nice battle on both Marvin Harrison and George Pickens, so – um, well, really, the George Pickens one wasn't well, actually was... about George Pickens. It was about Stetson <laughs> yeah. Bennett. But... That's true. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So my, the guy that I'm going to talk about here is, um, as Matt sort of alluded to here, is a guy that I've also dropped in my rankings after our ranking summit show. And uh, again, some of that does have to do with um, Jarek and, and Chris, um, you know, bringing some of the data in there and just kind of opening my eyes to it a little bit. Uh, and that's uh, Theo Weiss uh, for Oklahoma there. And I don't dislike Theo Weiss as a player. He has a lot of potential. I mean, there's a reason that he was a five-star wide receiver and the number three wide receiver in that class. Um, you know, and, you know, I think he's a good receiver. I, th- I think he has, he's, he's more of like a uh, contested catch guy. His speed's not great. You know, I don't think he moves particularly great either. Um, he's not particularly fluid. Uh, but you know, I think overall, like he's his skill set's fine. The reason I'm moving him down mostly is because as I'm looking at it, I don't think that Oklahoma's offense is going to support three fantasy relevant wide receivers. And I like Marvin Mims and I like Jaden Hazelwood better. Um, you know, Marvin Mims last year, um, you know, he had a great year last year, 37 catches, 610 yards, nine touchdowns as a true freshman. Uh, you know, he he had a great true freshman year by all and by all accounts, the spring has also looked really good. He's looked like the most dominant receiver there from everything that I've been seeing. So he kind of penciled in as that wide receiver one. Um, Jaden Hazelwood, um, you know, he kind of started to come on at the end of his freshman year. Uh, and then obviously he had the uh, torn ACL off the field there in the spring leading into this year. He did manage to make his way back onto the field for a couple games, didn't really didn't really do a whole lot, but uh, he did get some slots in the snap or some snaps in the <laughs> slot. <laughs> and it sounds like that they may potentially be using him as, as a big slot uh, there, which will be very interesting because the other guy that uh, came in for them this year, uh, freshman uh, Mario Williams, has also reportedly looked really good. He's been standing out this spring. Um, so I think that it really just comes down to how many wide receivers can this offense support? Uh, you know, who do you like better? And you know, out of that group, and for me, you know, Theo Weiss is just, you know, I, I don't like him as much as I like the other guys. So he had to drop down in my rankings because I had him ranked at number twenty, and that just felt a little bit too high. I haven't decided where I'm going to put him yet, but it, it's going to be probably a good 15, 20 spots lower. And everybody wants me to mention that I was supposed to talk about the Oklahoma game back in the last segment. We just totally skipped it. Um, so, yeah, come watch Theo Weiss. Come watch uh, Jaden Hasselwood. No, I, I'm just interested to see exactly what wide receivers, Wait. you know, what what the running back breakup is. What, what's up, Matt? Hasselwood? Hazelwood, Hasselwood. I don't know how you say it. I just assume it's Hazelwood. But so I also I. notoriously I like butcher names. Does. I mean, I guess um, so do I. So I was just curious. Um, you know, look, you just you call Colin out all the time when he completely he skips does. segments or, or stuff on camps to can. Thank so you. We were trying to do it politely, you know. You're the one. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's like, "Nah, we're 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 doing it live. We're going right over." It's like we were just trying, you know, just trying to help you out. That's all. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. I can't call him out. This is this is your guys' show. Austin's driving tonight, so you know, I, as a guest, I wanted to be polite and not call him out publicly, but th- I'm glad you did. Thank you. Well, it's good that Colin has gotten on here twice already because he's never invited back. <laughs> All right, on to the next one. So are you guys ready for the Debbie debates? Let's yeah. do it. All right. So our first one here, I mean, we already kind of talked about the Texas quarterback situation, so we'll skip over that here tonight. Uh, so we have two really good topics here. Number one, how much should we be moving players in our rankings based on spring performances or just on spring total? I'll eliminate that last word. I feel like that narrows the question a little bit. Um, Colin, we'll kick this one to you first. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that actually we should be moving these guys a decent amount based on spring. Um, you know, I think that the spring is our opportunity to see these guys in these offenses, see, you know, what roles they have, you know, how they're performing relative to their competition. You know, obviously, some of the guys you know, who are a little bit more established. Uh, you know, they had a good year last year or, you know, they are already pretty much penciled in as the wide receiver one there. I don't think you need to move those guys a ton. So I don't think the top half of my rankings for the most part is going to shake up a lot. But as you start getting down into like the midsection and into like, you know, maybe like the 50 to 50 range on down, those guys are going to move quite a bit based on what we're seeing in the spring here. 
Uh, and again, really, like I said, it just comes down to, you know, what's going to be their opportunity, because if you're not on the field, you can't produce. Yeah, I'm going to use a, a couple of metaphors here to kind of like explain my my thought on this. They're not great. We're not metaphors. I don't I probably just butchered that even more. Uh, like it's almost like preseason in the NFL, like it matters, but it doesn't. And I feel like the way to evaluate it is is kind of like the Congress's definition of porn. You know it when you see it. Like I, I think you know when you see what matters in the spring game, and you also know when it doesn't. I, I don't. I try not to overvalue it, but at the same time, they're not putting these guys in the positions that they are for no reason. Like maybe Alabama's, we don't know if a Jai Hall was going to be one of the starters out there. Maybe it was because they were limited to what they were with uh, with all the injuries and all the other freshmen not playing, JoJo Earl not being there, Christian Leary not being there, Corey Brooks out. But a lot of these other teams, they're putting these guys in these positions for a reason. You know, like LSU, I talked about earlier, though, I think it matters that they had Deion Smith running on both teams at all times. Him and, um, gosh, I already forgot the other guy's name. Uh, John Trey Kirkland were both running on both teams. I think that matters for both of those guys. So it, it matters, but Stroud taking early snaps doesn't matter because him and Kyle McCord still split everything. Kyle McCord was one throwing mostly with the first team guys behind Stroud. And I mean, if we can talk more about that later in the after show, if you guys like, I've got a very interesting take on that as well. But uh, I just, for me, it matters some, but at the same time, I think you don't overvalue it, but it it is very much for me, like preseason games in the NFL. Like when you see these guys having good preseason games, it matters, right? If you see Tom Brady go out there and throw like four passes, like, okay, well, we know what Tom Brady is, but I'll go to like a Philip Lindsay. We saw him break out in the preseason and maybe he didn't end up being what we thought he could be. He was still a very good player. These guys breaking out in these spring games and being put in these positions matters, but I'm not going to make it like the end all be all. I'm not jumping. If, if, you know, say we had never heard of Kayshawn Boutte until this past weekend. I I wasn't jumping him up into my top 12 because of 162 yards and a great touchdown catch. Now, if it was, you know, he had Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah, that's just because he's a Buckeye. So, uh, you know, for me, it just it matters some, but it's not the end-all be-all. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the reason why I said that I need to strike performance from the end of that is I think it's the opportunity is what's intriguing, not the performances. You know, obviously, if you if a guy gets a big opportunity and doesn't do anything with it, then that opens the door for somebody else. But yeah, just for a lot of these guys, I think like Jordan Whittington, you know, I, I'm waiting to see what I, what I see this weekend. But there sounds like Sark loves him and they're trying to get him involved. If it looks that way on Saturday, then, yeah, he's going to move even more than he's already bumped up a little bit for me. Uh, I'm trying to say it was the same. Uh, that's why I bumped Boutte to my number one. Cause I, I was thinking, you know, there's no way they're going to target this kid as much as, as much as they did down the stretch last year. And then he went out there and they targeted him maybe even more than they did last year. I mean, he had those 11 catches on the first half and he had another huge touchdown in the, in the first half called back uh, for a, a, a unrelated penalty. So he really could have been, you know, 12 for two ten and two. Um, so it, it, things like that are what separate in the spring for me. Not, you know, I'm Treshawn Holden had a nice game in Alabama. I think he moved like eight spots in my rankings, but he's down in like the worthless pile where it's just like, you know, he's less worthless than this other guy now. Um, so I, yeah, I, it's opportunity, not performance, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you guys have <laughs> been really good tonight, which is that. I mean, yeah, I, was, we, we, I feel like we both kind of agree with you. I feel yeah. like we all in a way said the same thing. So yeah, as far as like a debate goes, uh, you know, this was just one of those instances where we all actually agreed. Yeah, I, mean, um, like I, thought if, the, if, I thought someone would have a different opinion on that. If Felix was here, he'd be like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They don't matter. <laughs> They're, they are who they are. They're good players and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, but Felix isn't here. So. They're only good players if he likes them, though. Casey That's Thompson. True. That was a spot-on Felix impression. I like <laughs> nah, it it's like, you know Felix isn't here, but I think we've said his name more than we've ever said on like every other episode of this combined. We have. He's gonna we be have. like Bloody Mary. He's just gonna weird. He says he's watching it. At he's home probably he's probably shouting at the TV right now. So he's he's arguing with us. We I, I can feel it. He just you know we can't hear him. Felix, if you need to call into the show, you know we're like you know like a radio show here. Feel free to call in. Our number is one eight eight. You know. Right, so, <laughs> oh, that's a great rhyme. Um, so the other big debate we have here for tonight is is a question I'm going to toss to Matt first, just so we can get his his little spiel out of the way, whatever way he goes here. But at Ohio State spring game, 
two uh, two freshmen had big games. Emeka Abuka has seven for one twenty three. <laughs> Marvin Harrison had a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> text message. <laughs> yeah, Felix is texting us. So, <laughs> Matt. Who who would you rather have if you were a Devi or a C2C manager, Marvin Harrison Jr. or a Mecca Buka? And the answer is not both. So if you give me that, no, I, I have mean? I have an answer, and I in a way kind of um, what's damn it, what's the word? I just had it in my head, and now I got all excited because we're talking about the Buckeyes, and it, it, it left my what's that when you're reading a book and they hint at something beforehand? Foreshadow. Foreshadow? Foreshadowing. I foreshadowed it earlier. I dropped Mecca and moved Marvin Marvin Harrison up. So. The from what I have heard, and I love Omeka. I think me and Colin were. I mean, I didn't have him one, and I agree with Felix. Marvin Harrison Jr. It is Marvin Harrison Jr. for me as well. Uh, uh, you know, he was my number two behind Jacory Brooks. Was was Omeka, and and I still like him a lot. Where Marvin Harrison has jumped him for me is it seems like they only believe. I'm just going to call him Mecca because that's what they call him, and I feel like we're friends, so I can do that. He only is going or likely going to be in the slot where Marvin Harrison played on the outside and in the slot in the spring game. And word is when um, if Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or JSN come off the field, we all know that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave can move wherever they think that Marvin Harrison jr. Can do that too, which to me means he's the next guy up in almost every rotation because he can go into the slot. He can go to X and he can go to Z. So if Olave comes out, it's going to be Harrison coming in more likely because from what I have seen and heard and read is that Jamison Williams, if you watch the spring game, was really bad. And he's dropping further and further down the chart. We know Julian Fleming is still dealing with the shoulder injury. Don't know if he's even going to be ready by the time the season comes along. So if if Wilson comes out out of the X, it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. going into the X. If JSN comes out, they could still move Garrett Wilson into the slot, but then it's still going to be Marvin Harrison coming in at the X. He could go into the slot where Mecca just seems to be more of their slot receiver. And again, he's he's the second slot receiver, so it's a great place to be. But the fact that they believe Marvin Harrison Jr. can move into all three positions – gives him that extra boost, which is, again, another reason why he moved up in my rankings. We've heard nothing but great things about him. You know, they've already talked about how great of a route runner he's become and everything else. I, I don't – they're not saying that for no reason. I, Ryan Day is a very positive head coach, but he doesn't go out of his way to consistently, like, praise players, and they've done a very good job of praising him. Brian Hartline is a hard-ass Rarely does he talk about like when they talk asked about what Garrett how good Garrett Wilson was, he was like, he's all right. Like, and Garrett Wilson is a lot better than all right. And the fact that they've come out and praised these guys, I think, is is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just um tap into your knowledge here a little bit. Um, so you're saying about Emeka Egbuka, you know, pretty much being their backup slot. Is he I mean, they have JSN there as the as the starter in the slot. Is he is Ekbuka only going to be a slot guy there? And is he going to be behind JSN for, you know, the next two or three years? That I don't know because, and, and I know Austin has mentioned this, and I do believe Austin is right. I believe that they think JSN is, is very much like Garrett Wilson and that he can move all over the place. So I think JSN is in the slot this year. Would not be surprised if he moves out to the X or the Z next year and then Mecca becomes the starting slot wide receiver. I Mecca he's too good to not be, I think, part of that rotation next year. And again, I, I do think he's gonna get a lot of run this year. And, and I don't know that he will be limited to the slot. That's all we saw him at really in the spring game. And, and from what I've read and heard, that's where they, they're gonna have him at. Uh so that that's kind of what I'm assuming right now. I'm making a lot of assumptions based on what I've heard and read. I could be the season could start and Marvin Harrison could be like a kick returner and that's it. And I'm going to look like an idiot coming back and looking at this episode. From what I've heard, though, they really believe he can fill in at each position. Hey, 6'3", 202 kick returner. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, a 6'3", 202 guy in the slot, too. That's really good, too. So if, if he really can play all three positions, uh, if they can really move him around like a chess piece and he can back up pretty much any spot on the field, you know, then that's something that, is definitely going to make me take another look at my rankings here. But, uh, you know, as of right now, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. has definitely climbed in, in my rankings pretty considerably. Uh, I have him ranked at, I believe, number 50 right now. Um, and I have Emeka Egbuka at 28. Now, Emeka Egbuka is going to fall a little bit for me. But just from what I watched uh, of these prospects, I like Emeka Egbuka better. 
uh, as a as a prospect. I think he was uh, very good as a route runner. I thought he was very polished. Uh, you know, I I didn't see somebody who could only play the slot. I think he could play outside as well. He did play outside a decent amount in his uh, high school tape. Now it is high school tape, and he was playing in the state of Washington, which is not the best, uh, you know, college football or high school football, you know, state. But I still think that you know it's going to translate where he could play outside or inside. So hearing him being looked at as most pretty much a slot guy uh, is is definitely interesting here. Now I think that he could succeed in the slot for sure. But from what I saw, I didn't think he only looked like a slot guy. Um, I like that he already lost his black stripe as well. It's not like he was very far behind uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And it's not like, you know, they're not hyping up uh, Emeka Egbuka. You know, they're not, it's not like they're saying, oh yeah, he's struggling or, oh, he looks like a freshman. You know, they're hyping him up too. So, you know, they're hyping both of these guys up and I had Egbuka higher to begin with. So I'm going to stick with that right now. Um, you know, I'm definitely open to, you know, changing that evaluation come fall. If, you know, it really looks like Her- Marvin Harrison Jr. is backing up every single spot out there. Cause that type of versatility with that size uh, is, is pretty rare. So, you know, for right now, still going to take Ekbuka. Six, three, two Oh three is why we like Traylon Burks so much playing out of the slot, returning kicks. Cause Traylon Burks is six, three, two twenty six. It's it's a so, rare rare thing, you know. It yeah. it does not happen very often. I, I will say one thing to like boost Collins' argument, and then uh, one on the other side of it is <laughs> they also said the same thing about Garrett Wilson, and we saw we talked about it on the wide receiver summit. He was the X their freshman year, then was exclusively in the slot last year, and now is back out at X again. So I don't know if they're saying he can. I don't think they're saying he can only play slot. I think it's. That's what Ryan Day loves. He loves having those big athletic wide receivers in the slot because he thinks it gives them an advantage on the offense. The other thing I'll say on the other side for Marvin Harrison is, yes, the coaches are pumping up a Mecca as well. The difference is the wide receivers are all talking about how great Marvin Harrison is, and that is what brings – like when Chris Olave is like unsolicited in an interview, they're like talking about practice, and he's like, by the way – Marvin Harrison Jr. is that dude. He is that good. Not, they didn't ask him a question about Marvin Harrison. They were asking him a question about him, and he goes right and talking about Marvin Harrison. Garrett Wilson has complimented Marvin Harrison like without being prompted. So that speaks volumes to me, and the fact that those two guys, upperclassmen, are already respecting what Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing in camp as well, I think speaks volumes to just how good he's looked. Not saying that he's better, because I'm with you. I have Mecca higher than him in my freshman rank still as well. He was my number two. I'm not just going to shift them based on everything we've heard in, in the spring camp, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is like rising quickly in my rank just based on everything we saw in the spring game and everything we've heard. So you're saying I should have him higher than 70. Let's not, <laughs> if you want to hear our very ugly argument, I'll clip it and post it. Cause that, that was the one I almost text Austin after that, but can we still be friends? I'm sorry. I, I ugly cried. I ugly cried. <laughs> Matt, Matt did that to me. <laughs> Sorry, right, well, I'm very that... passionate when it comes to the Buckeyes. I, this this inner asshole just like comes out of me, and I'm like, no, no, and then I get very, very, very protective of my Buckeyes. It's like a gremlin. Is, you don't let a gremlin ha- like, eat after midnight or whatever. You don't let Matt talk about the Buckeyes on the wide. It, it, it is kind of all Buckeyes. We're you know we're impartial. You know, I think that's why everybody loves me, right? <laughs> it's because it's because most of them are Browns fans or, too, or or they hate yeah, me. So- so it's like they have to they have to hype up their college team because the pro team was so bad for so long. Hey, but not now, and that's all that matters. <laughs> oh. But I did just you want to watch how, that whole thing implode. This did you notice how sheepishly he was like, "Not now"? It was like, well, I don't. I'm still I, a little concerned that it's going to go. He's been right hurt back to like a burning yeah. trash can here this season. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Uh, be sure, again, to get those rate and reviews in to get entered to be to win that Javante Williams jersey. You can find our written content, all three of us, over at campusdecanton.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Debbie Debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get you rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, for Colin Decker, I'm Austin Nace. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple.
at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama, and the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter Embo caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races! Nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.